0: Coming up on today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green and I, uh, we discuss the possibility of Oklahoma and Texas jumping ship to the SEC, uh, the Sooners having another high school phenom quarterback um, and Malachi Nelson, uh, we get into who it benefits the most, how this affects Texas a how a pod schedule might work in, uh, in the SEC. Um, very SEC heavy on this episode, but also just like traditions in college football and this realignment craziness that is absolutely uh, upon us once again. Um, remember, new episodes are available on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get uh, your podcasts every single day. The Chase Thomas podcast is there. Uh, On the writing front, I read about last night's episode of AEW Dynamite that you can read at SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com. That's me. I'm Chase Thomas, the Sports Renaissance Man. Um, It's free for now. So y'all just add your email to get each Issue delivered to your mailbox. Mailbox. What am I saying? Mailbox. Every single morning, uh, I like to think of it like a newspaper, something that I grew up reading. In I do have a journalism degree and getting another one at, here at UT. Um, think of it like a newspaper delivery to your front porch, but instead, a hard copy and a variety of voices. It's a digital copy uh, of uh, <laughs> just my own. um again sports. RenaissanceMan.substack.com and the Chase Thomas Podcast on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uncle Darren, let's roll. Chase Thomas Podcast The Chase Thomas Podcast. <laughs> um, My nephew needs me to court. See, I hate I already hate it. I hate it. Alright, hello, and welcome back to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas and I am joined. As I am every single Thursday during the college football off season, it's my good friend and fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you?
1: Good evening, sir. Nighthawks in the house once
0: again. You you love to see the Nighthawks in the house. Do you do you rock any Nighthawk stuff on on the weekly basis? What what is oh your for Nighthawks sure
1: routine? Okay. I really only have like one shirt that i mean, honestly at this point in my life. I feel like I only wear those t shirts that are like super soft. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I just yeah. have like the yeah. no, not like the dry fit, just like they're always like that, like a heather kind of gray color or like you know, that I don't know, that textured kind of they're just super soft. I think it's like a cotton polyester blend type thing, mm. but uh, it's like I have so many t shirts that just through the years but like those are the ones I rock all the time and all I have like one North Georgia shirt that's like that super soft shirt so but yeah I got some shorts and some solid UNG they have that you know that good logo that's like kind of the shield with the NG UNG with the Nighthawk you know yes it's like the one like solid logo all the other ones are kind of whatever to me but yeah it's got that logo on it so this is quality basketball shorts
0: well, I got like a, a, a distinct, or like off in the distance, a a shaded away UNG logo on this very podcast. Have you noticed it when you're looking at it?
1: Um, no. I wonder if other people are noticed start? it. What, in your logo? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice the Nighthawk. Uh, I'll, I'll have to look for that.
0: Look and tell me if you can find it. It's a classic Where's Waldo situation.
1: Um, <laughs> your classic Where's Waldo <laughs> Um,
0: Matt Green, what, uh, what is new with you since we last spoke last week?
1: Oh, not much, man. Um, guys, shout out to my brother and his wife. They, uh, just adopted, uh, a, a newborn baby. So that's, a uh, huge news. Became a father, but, um, you know, I'm just, this week I've, uh, had solid picture and picture going all day, uh, with, with the work all week with the, with the work, Laptop set up with the SEC media days on the on the personal laptop, so it's been solid nice. as as far as just a week random week in July goes. Like you just have college football talk all, all throughout the workday is is pretty solid.
0: I feel like you, the like you and workdays are are not synonymous at the moment because of what you just outlined just screams to me uh, a lot of company time being stolen, Matt Green.
1: Uh, not at all, man. You know, uh, you, usually you may have like a, has your headphones in like a podcast or something, you know, just on the background. Like I always say I couldn't pay attention to everything that's being said during uh sec media days, but, uh, some, some solid content just to be on in the background.
0: Who was your favorite? What was your favorite moment from sec media days? Cause I will, I will confess I've, I've not watched any of it outside of Heupel stuff. I just heard that Shane Bieber smoked really fast. Like that was a thing with him. I think Eli Drinkwitz uh, said Twitter was not real.
1: Uh, Everyone loved Eli Drinkwitz. I feel like he's just—he was making people die laughing. He's just like—he's just had that like kind of self-deprecating humor, you know. Like, yeah, that was probably he was—he was probably one of the one of the funnier parts of SC Media days because he was talking about, um, they're like, oh yeah, you go to the grocery store and get recognized and everything. I'm sure people are always coming up to you. And he's like, look, people might be coming up to you guys. And then he's talking to like Laura Rutledge and Roman Harper. He's like, I have what you call common face. He's like, <laughs> people have no idea who I am. Like it was it was pretty funny.
0: Because he really
1: does. he just looks like some guy with glasses. Like
0: <laughs> That is true. I I would not I guess I don't I would I think I'd still just know too much about College. I I would I would be able to point him out, I would say. Like I would be I would, like, pause because I I would wonder why I'm seeing him there. But I do think I would recognize recognize
1: him. Like, I don't know. But if that one, would be one of those yeah. people. Like, I remember I saw a Georgia football player. Um, I don't even remember the name. TJ Stripling. Super random. Like, four-star recruit. He never really played at Georgia. But I was at, like, Lake Lanier like, Memorial Day or something. I was like, if you're TJ Stripling, like, 6'5", you know, black dude. Like, super long dreads. I'm like, like super diesel i'm like i know who you are he's like no i'm not that's not who i am i don't play for georgia you know i guess just trying to like be low-key or something but it's like if he like if this guy told you if you thought he was eli Drinkowitz, he he's like what are you talking about you'd be like oh i'm sorry to bother you sir yeah like, you just keep moving you know what i mean but some people will tell you no i'm not him you're like oh, i'm pretty sure you're him.
0: Mm. there was a there was a time um we'll move on after this but i was at a hawks game a few years ago and this was post Wes Wilcox, Mike Boonholzer. Um, actually, no, I guess Mike Boonholzer was there and he just had the president of basketball ops title. And Wes was like in his last year before he he moved on. Um, this was after Boonholzer got the whole president of basketball ops and like the dual dual role thing in Atlanta um, after Danny Ferry stuff. And he was like two rows up from where I was uh, with a buddy of mine and he could just like that's the thing about NBA general managers. Like, you could just hide out. Like, no one has any idea. Like, Alex Anthopoulos could absolutely go to a, a Braves game, like, sit wherever and no one, or I shouldn't say no <laughs> one, by, by and large, the majority of people will not recognize this man. And I think that's true for most front offices, front office types. But Wes, I recognized and I just like, hey, what's up, Wes? And he like turned and was like extremely confused that someone had recognized him in the stands and like people are asking me they're like who is that and i'm like that's the hawks general manager the guy like constructing this team that you're watching he's he's right there and they're like oh huh and it was just this whole thing where i was like oh yeah and he was just he was completely taken aback uh by the fact that i i recognized this man and i was like man
1: i i gotta get out more i i, I knew
0: <laughs> i just i know too much
1: that's funny yeah, um, the other some of the other funny things, in SEC media days, I don't know if you heard Kirby Smart talk about uh, Quavo texted him as soon as like the nil stuff happened, and he uh, and he said, "Tell your players not to be thirsty." So to hear Kirby Smart say "thirsty," I don't know, it was uh, it was just kind of funny.
0: <laughs> I don't think that text happened. <laughs> you don't think so? You
1: think that's made up? I think that's made up. I don't believe Quavo has Kirby's
0: number. There's no way those two are texting back and forth.
1: Kirby's Why too not? Easy. I mean, Kirby's Kirby's always uh always re- texting people, I'm sure. Like he's always contacting. I feel like Quavo's big time and like the Rose Bowl, like he was super visible like on the sidelines. He's been on the sidelines like multiple Georgia games, like in the locker room and stuff, so it's definitely possible. Like I feel like famous people respect other famous people. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to give his number to you, but (laughs) but, but Quavo. (laughs) maybe one day you are verified. I don't want his
0: number though. I don't care. Like none of these guys are really all that interesting that like, I would, I would love to have their, their number. Like who who would be interesting to talk to? Like who do I want to text back and forth with?
1: No, of course, (laughs) of course. But Quavo is actually like, you could have a professional relationship. Like, Mm especially at this point and like re- recruiting is everything like just pr just the fact that you could drop the <laughs> drop the little nugget that you're texting quavo i guess is uh reason enough
0: here's what i think actually but which you think is, you think
1: it's fake you think it's phony
0: no i think quavo reached out to the university of georgia and like was talking to people around kirby and was like and quavo was like hey tell kirby he needs to Get his guys, or he texted someone else that he knew, like on the on the team, maybe like one of the players or something. Was like, "Hey, tell Kirby, uh, let, whatever the the quote you just said was." Like, I I could see that where they like relayed the information back to him so that he could use it as a nugget, um, at media day. I just I I, I could. You be just wrong. don't
1: want to believe. You just don't want to believe that Kirby is texting Quavo. You just don't think he's you don't think he's cool enough. What is it? I don't know. It just seems too too neat for me. To, like, oh,
0: yeah, Quavo, the Atlantis super fan, texting with Kirby Smart. Um, I don't know. I just uh, – I don't buy it. <laughs> I'm going to have to say I don't buy it. There's, like – I don't even know, like, who – I guess there's only, like, one coach that I would actually, like, buy is doing that kind of stuff. But Kirby's a
1: young coach.
0: It's not about youth. It's about personality. It's about, like, what they get, what kind of energy they give off and, like, what they're into and – I don't know, I just I never got that uh
1: I never got that vibe from Kirby. Hey, he's a hell of a recruiter, so I'm sure he I'm sure he's vibing with everybody, you know, like that's gotta be vibing with everybody. That's gotta be half the battle is just putting out a good vibe. I I think that's why people don't like Dan Mullen. It's just like "Ah, this guy's just irritating. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like he's just a goo he's a goober. Like I don't know how else to describe him. Like, I don't know.
0: Georgia fans, I just don't think are going to be healthy this year if Emory Jones is better than J.T. Daniels and no,
1: Florida. Ever I don't think anybody's ready for like people talk about Emory Jones. Like he, yeah, he could be something, but I don't think anyone's truly ready for him to be like one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Like that's, that's right there. It would not that would make Florida the surprise of the SEC by far. But I mean, he has some ability. Like yeah, he could be like a good player. But I'm saying if he's like elite, like I don't know like for real like putting Florida in like national championship contention like that's that's going to be that's going to shock everybody. Like I mean there's people like Phil Steele predicting Florida outside of the top 25. Like there's people predicting like nine and three seasons, like that kind of thing. Like I would just be shocked if if Emory Jones is the best quarterback in the SEC. And I'm not as high on JT Daniels as other as other Georgia fans. Like he was he was good. Like, I, I'm just one of those people. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think you have to have the elite quarterback to win a national championship. I think a lot of teams do because a lot of teams just don't have elite rosters. But I think, I think it's possible to win a national championship with the quarterback just being a solid player. And I think, like, you saw Georgia, like what they did, you know, not to make it all about Georgia, but to see what they did against Stetson Bennett, like, or with Stetson Bennett as the quarterback against Alabama, like they were, they were winning for almost three full quarters of that game until like the final minute or two of the, of the third quarter when Alabama took the lead on that Jalen Waddle, uh, touchdown. So it's like Georgia's a loaded roster and Stetson Bennett is like not even, he's not even an sec caliber quarterback. He might not be a division one caliber quarterback. So if, if, if Jake Fromm was the quarterback on Georgia last season, like just an, just a solid quarterback, I think that team is significantly better, probably at least good enough to beat Florida. Maybe he's still not gonna beat Bama. But like I think and JT Daniels, I'm not as high on everyone saying he's gonna be a top ten pick and all that, but I think he's just he if nothing else, he's definitely solid. And that's all Georgia really needs. Like a, a guy who can who can hit some receivers running downfield. And he showed he could do that last year.
0: What did he say? Because I, I heard someone was talking about, like, uh, they're, like I'm ready to run through a brick wall based on uh, what JT Daniels was saying in his media day. Did you listen to what he said?
1: Oh, I didn't hear, like, his actual, like, like, like when he was at the podium or anything, but I just saw a couple of clips. He was just saying things like, uh, I don't know, people, people hype him up because he just seems kind of like a cool customer, you know? He's like... You know it's cool when people say good things about you, but it's also cool when people say you suck and it's just like I don't know people people just kind of like j t Daniel's vibe, i guess the whole cali thing, but I think he he made some kind of uh he went on some kind of little talk i'm gonna butcher it, but just kind of some some sort of team first mentality that uh that I think it was like a good quote that a lot of people were were hyping him up for.
0: Yes, because you know there's a lot of players going up to the podium and just saying, "quote
1: Right, I'm, uh, I'm all about me. <laughs> well, I'm if the receivers catch the ball, I'm good enough to get the job done. All right, I don't know about everybody else. I don't know about the offensive line blocking, but I'm I'm a baller.
0: Yeah, I don't think that would go well with your your coach
1: being there with you. Uh, like but... I think that's what like maybe just it was the first day of Media Days. I think when South Carolina went. But it felt like everyone was just so excited for Shane Beamer. Like, oh, he this guy, this guy won the press conference. This, he's just so such a good guy. I, I trust, and it's just like cool. Like you, you enjoyed him speaking. I guess you were just excited for like the event of SEC Media Days. But it's like he hasn't done anything yet. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. South Carolina is uh, is not in win now mode. It's a they got a long way to go.
0: Yeah, I heard he was he was speaking quite fast. Did you notice that? And someone pointed out I think it was Andy Staples on his podcast this week was like the last person who was talking like Shane Beamer at SEC Media Day was Ron Zook. And people on league were like, Oh, he's he's in over his head. Like he like nervous. And,
1: oh, really? I didn't I didn't catch that, but you know, I might not have been dissecting it as much as those guys were, but uh, yeah. I'm really I don't- into it. I felt like he was recruiting Oscar Delp so hard. Like, uh, I think Eli Drakowitz made a joke about that. He's like, well, I know that South Carolina is going to be throwing the ball to the tight end, so I'm just going to double the tight end every play. Because he was like, hey, we're going to get the tight ends the ball. Like, Because you've seen this, like, these South Carolina fans are, like, obsessed with Oscar Delp. Have you seen this?
0: Mm-mm.
1: Like, so he's the, the four-star tight end from West Forsyth. Like, he's, like, top 50 player in the country or so. He seems like a guy who's like a Georgia lock, to be honest. Like, but I guess he's got some sort of roots to South Carolina. His family like lives in lived in Columbia or something like that. And like there's just South Carolina fans hashtag we want Delp. Like it's like a huge thing. And then like Georgia players started like hashtag Delp is a dog. Like, I've never seen people do hashtags. Like current players do hashtags like to recruit an uncommitted prospect. Like I've never I've never seen that, and he's not like he's this guy. We're not talking about Jadavion Clowney or something, you know what I mean? Like, he's a big time prospect. Don't get me wrong, but it's it seems weird how obsessed the South Carolina fan base is for getting a, a four star a four star tight end. I don't know. It's a little things, right? Like baby steps
0: in this. In this I guess
1: so. Just uh, you, a four stars. Just you got a chance to get one, and now you're excited. I guess Kirby shaking a little bit. Shane Beamer <laughs> coming at him. Um,
0: well, there was also some news that that just happened at, uh, it broke, I guess is the correct journalist way of framing it, Matt Green. Now, news happens. News happens. Um, (laughs) but yes, news did happen, Matt Green, because a report from the Houston Chronicle, um, everyone listening, I'm sure, is very aware at this point that OU and Texas reached out to the SEC, um, a lot of non... Answers from SEC types. Um, the only university that was openly like uh this is bullshit was you guessed it Texas AM. Um This was a stunner. I think I don't know. We haven't you and I we've talked about so many different things college football wise, but we hadn't really talked about like how soon expansion could pop back up. We just assumed that it would be like twenty twenty five at the earliest. Um, they would start addressing this, but.
1: Well, um, to be honest, I kind of thought the expanding of the playoff was almost like the the market correction for the conference realignment and everything. It was like, okay, maybe conference realignment was a bad idea. We should have just kept all the conferences we had originally. We didn't really need to, do, to break them all up like this. Or I guess I should say combine them all. And so I, I feel like some of the conferences, like you've seen the ACC the last couple years, the Big Twelve at times, like even the Big Ten, I feel like the Big Ten is, I would say, a vastly superior to the other two. But or the, I should say, the Pac-12 has been weak. But you have such different, you know, strengths of schedules in all these teams. And and at 130 teams in college football, you play 12 of them, so you really have no idea. We're all voting; we have no idea who the best teams are. But it seems like the best. Coaches and players are usually coming from the SEC, but obviously good players are spread around. So I felt like the playoff expansion was like, okay, well, we don't need to do anything else to the conferences. We'll let the champions get, you know, this advantage, but we're going to let other good teams get into the playoff and have a chance to win a title because geography shouldn't decide if you get to play in the playoff or not. You know what I mean? And so I don't really understand why we're continuing to do the, the conference realignment to be honest unless we're on the way to some sort of you know a bunch of 16 team super conferences and then if that's the case like we probably could have just kept it at a four four or even 18 playoff
0: yeah i think we're heading towards super conferences i think what's going to happen is it's not going to be a power five it's gonna be a power four and um that i i I don't know for sure if that's what happens, but like reading the tea leaves and reading different pieces and reading different people more in the know than myself. Like, I don't know. I just, I look at it and I don't, I don't see how it's not going that way. Like, I don't see how this is not going to end in that front, but it is interesting that the big Ten's mostly going to be untouched by this, right? Like that was something I was drawing down when I was thinking about this because like with all the different moving pieces here in play, they're not affected at all. Cause I don't think anyone's moving in or out and they're, they're going to be fine regardless. Um, well, but if
1: we're going to 16 team conferences and they've got to be adding two more. Well, so I mean, they
0: have to, is what I'm saying. Well, if,
1: if we're, our, but if we're going to be 16 team, they don't have 16 teams yet. You know what I mean? So right. I would think if we're all, if we're going to do that, cause that's how I was looking at it was if we're, if these are all going to be 16 team conferences, I like, once Oklahoma and Texas leave the Big Twelve, like there's really there's not one program. And it also does this happen in multiple sports or is this just football? Like, how does that work? But it hasn't
0: happened yet. So we don't know how any of this works yet. That's
1: that's true. So the Big Twelve, I feel like for most people's opinion, it will basically dissolve, right? Because they don't have any kind of big brands to carry that conference anymore. So if you have eight teams Remaining after Texas and Oklahoma leave, and you need the ACC Big 10 and Pac 12 to all get to 16, that's eight more teams right there. So they could all collectively, they could just take the remaining Big 12 teams and have them just split up. So I took the liberty of what teams would go to which conferences, right? So the Pac 12 would have to add four teams. The Big Ten would have to add two teams, and the ACC would have to add two teams. So I feel like West Virginia seems like a no-brainer to the ACC. But also, you get that Dallas-Fort Worth market, get TCU in there too. So the ACC gets TCU in West Virginia. The Big Ten, they already got Iowa. Give them Iowa State. And then I feel like Oklahoma State, since Oklahoma already left them, give them Oklahoma State too. And then that would leave Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas, and Kansas State going to the pac 12 what are your thoughts? And then you got Notre Dame thrown in there. So Notre Dame could could jump in there and, and fuck everything up. What are your thoughts on that, though? Give me your – who's going to the Big Ten again? Iowa State and Oklahoma State.
0: I would probably flip Oklahoma State to the Pac-12 and put Kansas in the Big Ten.
1: Okay, I could see that. And then you're splitting up Kansas and Kansas State. The only thing is like the Pac-12 has like such a vibe, right? mm mm-hmm. It, and none of the Big Twelve schools really like fit the Pac-12's vibe. You know what I mean? It's just like that middle Middle America versus the versus the coastal elites, if you will. Like, I don't know. I just it doesn't. I, I wonder if the Pac-12 even have any interest in any of these teams. And you also like I don't really understand how how they do make the decisions on on conferences, right? Because we we think about everything geographically, like, oh, Central Florida, they would fit right into the ACC. That would make sense. But then, you know, there's all these politics that go, that are involved of, oh, these teams don't want them in the ACC. Because I've heard, I heard someone mention that there's some sort of clause that like, Kentucky, Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina have all agreed to of like, None. Of, there's never going to be another SEC team in those team states. Like it's something they've like agreed on. And like, so hmm. Texas a I guess, isn't part of that. Like I don't understand that exactly. So, because that's 100% the number one advantage Texas A&M has over Texas. Like I heard Greg McElroy talking about it today because he's a Texas guy, and he talks about like, you know, you think Texas A&M, you think Texas. They just go hand in hand. And he's like, but you know in today's world like you think college football you think Texas Am you like you you really don't think about Texas anymore like they've come out of their shadow and they're in the SEC like they've been a better football program than them for a solid like seven or eight years now like so they're a hundred percent gonna be the one that that wants to veto this the most but it, how much weight does Texas A and M really carry as being like kind of one of the new kids on the block in the SEC? Well,
0: it's also just not about football. They're not doing this for football on the field reasons and how good of a football team you're putting out every year. It's just the Longhorn Network and Texas. Like they're they're they just see the the money signs. Like that's all it is. Like A and M has been a great get for the SEC, but if it comes down to money, like just the brand. Of Texas is always going to be the bigger than the brand of Texas A&M, but something I was thinking about too, I don't know if McElroy spoke to this, but like we've talked about this and people I've talked to um, from InsideTexas.com and uh, Barking Carnival and all that stuff, um, just the Texas people that I know, where it's like, the boosters run that school and the boosters make that job so difficult. That's the reason Texas is not Alabama. It's just the all the politics and all the craziness that goes on behind the scenes just Greg Sankey, where the SEC is such a well-run machine right now, where everybody gets a, it gets along for the most part, um, ADs all work together, they keep it moving, they're basically the leaders of college football. If you bring in these Texas boosters and you bring in this Texas culture, I don't know if they're going to play well with others because they are so conditioned to having their own way and running the Big 12 and the Big 12 just being their place even if they're not dominating on the field it's still it's still just when you think big 12 you still think texas and then from the ou side of things there is like they have it made quite nicely in the big 12 running the gauntlet getting five star like they just got another five-star quarterback um malachi nelson coming in there you got spencer rattler you get the transfer you get the kyler murray's everything lincoln's got a great thing going in the big 12 but you throw them in the sec west And suddenly, they're not going to the playoff anymore. Suddenly, they're the third or fourth team most years in that conference. And they they lose their luster. They look more like Arkansas and less like the Oklahoma that we've just come come to know. And I wonder from their perspective, is it worth the money if it damages what we look like and what we can actually accomplish? And I think that goes up and down the board in the SEC because if you add Texas and OU... It it makes life worse for Kentucky. It makes life worse for Missouri. It makes life worse for Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, where you just added two programs that have more resources, more money, more avenues to success than you do. So you already were backed up against the eight ball uh, against Georgia, Bama, LSU, and. Now it's going to get worse. Now there was already a slim chance you were going to be able to run this gauntlet in the SEC, but now it gets worse. And now it's not even like you can bet on seven and five, eight and four most years. It's it's back down to losing records. It's back down to 500 at best.
1: And there's, there's a lot of
0: afterthought. Does that, is that all fair?
1: I mean, I could definitely see that. I, um, because, those teams like there's the bottom half of the SEC I think is is weaker the last five years than it than it was the previous five to ten years. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I think the expansion of the SEC really really hurt the bottom of the conference. It seems at least at least at least seems worse than it once was. But this is gonna. This is so interesting because it's gonna settle so many like hypothetical Twitter debates that never get settled. It's just people arguing at each other. Oh, if Oklahoma's in the SEC. Oh, they go eight and four every year. You know what I mean? Because Oklahoma is one of those programs that, like, I feel like they have an elitist vibe about them. You know what I mean? Like they're they know they're one of the blue bloods of college football, and they they kind of turn their nose up at anyone that isn't. A blue blood, you know what I mean. But with what Oklahoma—it's been a while since Oklahoma has won national championship, and there's been so many of these big games that they've lost in recent in recent uh, history that just a lot of the other fans don't hold Oklahoma in as high regard as they hold themselves. So it would be really interesting because I think Texas A and M, like I think. L- I know that was a, a jab like Bob Bob Stoops took at uh, the SEC years ago was, you know, A&M and Missouri weren't doing too great in our conference and they go over to the SEC and they just start balling right away. You know, I don't think it, Bob Stoops said they started balling right away, but uh, you know what I mean? But I think, I think for one, Texas A&M just got super lucky. Just the stars aligning and Johnny Menzel being on, on their roster the first year of the SEC really just kind of them in with a bang. But and then Missouri winning the division two times. But I think I think just being in the SEC elevated both of those programs. It was almost it was a like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know what I mean? Like just just being in the SEC gave them more cachet with recruits and everything. And and AM is a better program, and easily a better program than they were ten years ago. And it's because they're in the SEC. So if Oklahoma comes to the SEC, they could see an equal jump and they could they could also become dominant.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just, I lean more towards the, the, the pessimistic viewpoint on that. I mean, Texas though, like Texas has nothing to lose. Texas
1: has been struggling in the big 12, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think they've made one big 12 championship in the last like four or five years. Like, so they haven't even been doing well in that conference. Like Texas is the one that could come in with a rude awakening. Like, first year in the sec do something like five and seven and you're like holy oh, shit like what there's like six percent? good teams on your schedule like what, was, a what is that about? what's that
0: what's texas's record against the university of georgia in the last five years <laughs> it's
1: probably 1-0
0: it is 1-0 would you say that texas is undefeated against georgia in our lifetime
1: oh man, that's probably true hmm. i know they i know my mom went to like no the Cotton there. Bowl. My mom was like the Cotton Bowl, and, mm-hmm. and like 1980 something, and like if they won 10 to nine, Georgia won 10 to nine. It was like <laughs> a big deal. Wow. 10
0: to yeah, nine. That, those were the good old days. The good old days when
1: because off- I think it was like it was like such a big deal too. Like that's how big important the bowl games were. It's like it was just the Cotton Bowl, you know. But like everyone took so much pride in it. it was like it was like a, a phrase that like. Like, the the time of day, it's always 10 to 9 in Texas or something like that. Like, Georgia fans said it, like, for years. Like, old Georgia fans. Mm. That's a boomer boomer generation, uh, Georgia fan. Boomer sooner, if you will. Um,
0: Who do you think benefits more by joining the SEC? Do you think it's Oklahoma or do you think it's Texas? And I'm not just talking about on the field. I'm talking about the brand as a whole, the university as a whole, Who benefits more between the two of them?
1: I think it's Texas, because Oklahoma doesn't need anything. Like, Oklahoma, like, they need to take the next step as, like, a program and, like, win one of these, like, college football playoff games or something. But, like, everyone respects the brand that is Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Like, Heisman winners, like, playoff appearances, like, just national recognition. Like, Oklahoma is big time. Like, Texas is, like, desperately clinging to to being big time. They're, like, the... The person that has to convince you they're cool you know it's like if you're cool everyone will know you're cool you don't have to convince people you're cool you know like texas is just clinging to their history and they just i don't know and like you said the boosters and everything last the last two coaches only getting like four years apiece like it's becoming like a toxic kind of job so Texas definitely, I think just being in the SEC, it, it's kind of like an equalizer there with Texas A&M. It could maybe make them the flagship, the destination, uh, college football school again in the state. Because right now, like a big-time recruit from Texas, like, it it seems like they're going to A&M before they're going to Texas. Like, so I think Texas definitely has way more to gain. But also the Longhorn Network, I think they said that's like, they can't do that if they join the SEC. I think they have to essentially like give that up like i don't know how that works but well it'd be
0: a seamless fit i mean you just dissolve it into the into the network because i think the longhorn network and into sec3 or something well, no, they're, they're both owned by disney so they just probably cross-pollinate or just like integrate a bunch of longhorn network stuff into the sec network umbrella that's fair i bet you a lot wouldn't change there um also the longhorn network hasn't done well so, um, sure. you
1: not- I've never, I've never watched the Longhorn Network, so I don't know, I don't know where to find it.
0: Yeah, but if you see it, like the-
1: find a Pac-12 game <laughs> or ACC Network? I think I didn't have it on my uh, on my cable.
0: I actually, I can't say that because I watch a lot of ACC Network during the day in the background. I'm not gonna lie; they have a lot of good college games on there. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and they do some old ACC classic football games that I I,
1: like. I just don't like that Mark Richt has become like. The face of ACC network, like he's a, he's an SEC guy, man. Like I know he played at Miami, a coordinator at Florida State, and then obviously had like what three, four years coaching at Miami, but he he was at Georgia for 15 years. I just don't like him seeing seeing him on the ACC network. It's not right.
0: I mean, the majority of his life was
1: yeah. Gene Chizik over on the SEC network. All respect, all due respect to Gene Chizik. Like Mark Richt. Way better coach than Gene Chizik. Like, well, obviously Gene well, Chizik got the daddy. I was to say. Speaking Martin, of Texas to Georgia, he also got fired forward. like a year later. Yeah. Um. But you saw, so you saw like the the schedule proposal, right? So the the pod you get
0: into your Bill Connolly anger session because <laughs> Bill Connolly you, stole my tweet.
1: He he didn't.
0: Matt no, Marion, he didn't. because Bill joking. Connolly has been banging his gavel since football study hall on this. Like I remember reading this what, 10 years ago on footballstudyhall.com. Like this has been his thing. And he's a Mizzou guy. Um,
1: but Um hey, I tweeted at 1127 AM and he tweeted at 1147 PM. So I think that's proof that he stole my idea. But it's mm-hmm. funny because I feel like, I feel like we both got to it in the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Like my friend hit up our group text and was like, Oh, you see this? 14 pod proposal. And for those people who don't know, they have essentially this is what SC, uh, Oklahoma and Texas being added. They've broken up the SEC into four pods. You got Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina in one, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Texas A&M in one. And then the last one is Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas. And so you play everyone in your pod – Uh, every season, and then you play two games against the other three every year. And so ultimately, you're going to play every team home and home in a four-year period. And I feel like I have been saying this for so long, ever since they expanded the SEC. Like We had to do something about the schedule. You need to play every team home and home in a four-year period. Mm. So I feel like Bill Connolly, he saw, I don't know, not 100% sure who tweeted this out, uh like maybe Pete Thammel or someone like that. Some sort of national writer tweeted this out and then he commented like, oh no, he had a better idea. And that's exactly how I was in my friends. Like, that looks good, but I would rather people just have like three locked rivals for like rivalry and tradition purposes. You know, you just like seeing Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and South Carolina in the same pod, like that means you're not getting Georgia-Auburn every year. You're not getting Florida-LSU every year. You're not getting Florida-Tennessee every year. Like, some of these games, you have to have every year. They're just huge rivalries, right? Like, you're not getting Alabama-LSU every year with this with this uh, system. So, I proposed basically the same idea, but everyone has three locked rivals, but they're just a different three teams, obviously. And then... You play the other – and then that uh, – it's a nine-game conference schedule. So you, with those three games, locked rivals, then there's 12 remaining teams. You play six of them one year, six of them the next year, six the next year, six the next year, and then you're playing everyone home and home in a four-year span. So I don't know if you see if you see these locked rivalries I have, um, if you have any thoughts on, on any of them. Like a, you have Georgia playing Florida, Auburn, South Carolina every year. You got Alabama playing Auburn, LSU, Tennessee every year, so you get to preserve some of these rivalries like Arkansas, Missouri, and you also have Arkansas, Texas every year. Like, I think this would be an awesome way to keep some of those rivalries that we need. Like, you're gonna lose some of them, right? Because it's inevitable. Like, as a Georgia fan, not seeing Georgia, Tennessee, that's that's just seems weird. You got to play Tennessee every year, but ultimately, to for to have a cohesive conference where everyone is playing everyone that's what you're going to have to do. And it, and honestly, it might make Georgia, Tennessee a bigger deal because they play it every other year. You know what I mean? Like LSU Auburn, I feel like was one of the better rivalries that I was unable to, to keep in this, in this system, but LSU, you got A&M Alabama and Florida every year. And you're obviously going to have some of the better teams are going to have some of the, some tougher, more difficult locked rivalries. Like you feel like A&M, LSU, Texas, and Oklahoma every year. But I mean, when you're playing six with the other six conference games, just subbing those out every year, it's going to balance out. And I just feel like like right now, just the schedules are just way too lopsided. Like if you look at some years, Georgia's schedule, I think this year in particular, especially if Florida is down, like we all kind of assume they'll be, Auburn's on a first-year head coach, and maybe Florida's like the 20th-ranked team or something. You know, maybe they're a three-loss team or something. They're not bad, but they're just not you know, a top 10 opponent, like Georgia has Clemson to open the season with. And, you know, might not have another really like elite level game the rest of the season. Whereas you look at someone like Auburn, they play A&M, they play Alabama, they play uh, uh, LSU, they play Georgia. Like these schedules are just so, and they actually have to go to Penn State too. These schedules are just so lopsided. Like, there's some we have to do something about just evening these the schedules a little bit. Like the fact that there's so few, there's only the one locked rivalry. It just makes Tennessee their schedule so ridiculous. When I was actually when I was writing for FanSided a, a few years back. Um, I wrote this article about Tennessee's schedule about how they just got royally screwed like every year because obviously they play Alabama every year so they just automatically just have well let me stop you right there so this
0: is funny that you bring that up because that is uh, a, a buddy of mine uh, when I was telling him about this I was like hey did you see the Texas stuff and he was concerned excited early but then he like pulled me later and was like Th- this means we might not have to play Alabama every year and it's like <laughs> one of those things where you just you you're, the light bulb goes off and I think this was probably the case for every Tennessee fan because I think if you're an outsider you might wonder or you might just be like yeah it's a rivalry it's the it, it, it happens the third Saturday of October it's just uh, something you do but if you ask any Tennessee fan if they would give that up for more of a round-robin schedule every single Tennessee fan is okay giving up playing Alabama every year no one's dying to keep that on the docket just because it is a rivalry game and then I think about like your team Texas A&M has been in the big 12 or in the SEC for how many years now eight what is it
1: yeah this was the ninth season this past year okay.
0: how many times has Georgia gone to College Station
1: yeah not once like that I mean insane. it took, it took the if this last year was the ninth year it took their eighth year in the conference for us to actually play and we, Georgia and AM actually played in the, what was it? What is that bowl? It's like Louise uh, Independence Bowl, maybe? I don't know. Back in like 09, Joe Cox. But it, so it was like the, they'd been in the same conference for almost a decade and they still hadn't played. It's kind of ridiculous. Like they're essentially not in the same conference.
0: And this is only a college football thing. Like college baseball and college basketball, you play everybody. Like this is not a, not an issue for other sports.
1: Well, and Georgia and Alabama, Georgia uh went to alabama went to tuscaloosa in 2007 and then went again in 2020 I think 13 years apart like that's absurd like they georgia should be playing in tuscaloosa once every four years at the very minimum I would. but but it wasn't just that but yeah like well, Tennessee I, don't know has to I think it
0: would might it would be more of an experience if they had it in charlotte um at bank of <laughs> game, so they kick off college game day
1: brian denny stadium's great but uh a nissan stadium <laughs> that would be way better right but um but yeah it was like tennessee so obviously it's lopsided like i, I think what i did like the data i did was um just like the cross division team's record over like a 10-year span or something and tennessee was just absurdly higher than everybody obviously one was because alabama but it was like just the unluckiness of their of the rotation. It's like the year they play LSU, it's like LSU is like number one or something. The year they played Texas A and M, Texas A and M was really good. I think they played Auburn, Cam Newton's year. You know, it was just like it was just the most unlucky schedule ever, and mainly because of the Alabama thing. So unfortunately, in my situation or in my scenario, I'm still keeping that third Saturday in October. You got to keep Tennessee Alabama, but. The fact that Florida and Georgia are also going to be playing Alabama every other year, it's like, okay, well, then I'm not I'm not that mad because everyone is playing everyone. You know what I mean? So I had Tennessee playing Florida, Vanderbilt, and Alabama every year. Like, that seems like the three games Tennessee has to play. Like, Vanderbilt, you got Tennessee, Kentucky, and Missouri. It's a little bit easier than A&M having to play LSU, Texas, and Oklahoma, but – Vanderbilt's also going to have six other conference games both years, and, and that schedule is going to get a lot tougher. But it's just preserving some of these rivalries is what we is what we have to do, even if we're expanding, doing all these different things in college football. It's it's kind of ridiculous how many changes are all happening at once. Like we we don't have a controlled variable, right? Like to know which of these things changed the the landscape of college football. It's like, well, was it everyone getting paid, or was it was it the transfers? What You know, It's like, was it the conference realignment? Like, you have no idea. Did I have that on the list? Because this was
0: something I wanted to pick your brain about, too. Was if... Yeah, I have this down here. Because, like, I was thinking about this today. And this is something that I think where Twitter is not a good indicator of, like, uh, really anything. But <laughs> um, when you talk to normal people, they they're just like i don't they're in over their head like if you're an you're a casual college football fan you're keeping up with this and you're seeing these these headlines and you're like wait what who's where what why like it's overwhelming i think to have this much change um and i think this is just the nature of where we are as a society because um i'm i'm generally speaking uh <laughs> not how do i frame this i I bat a curious eye when the elderly complain about kids today or things like that. And I, I think it's just part of the aging process As you, everyone thinks that their generation was better than the other one or this, that, and the other. But what I do think is, is true is that things are changing way faster every year now than it ever did for previous generations. We're like, things were just the same basically from the 80s to the 90s like a lot of stuff was, like college football was relatively unchanged the NFL was relatively unchanged and we didn't have these just monumental changes all avalanche at once and I think it's kind of overwhelming for for casual fans and it's kind of overwhelming for me where I'm like man you know one of the beautiful things about college football is that it's not uh, I think pure is a little too naive but like i know what i'm getting i i know like it i just i know what kind of rivalries are happening i know who hates who i know that these guys are here and this means this for this team like i just i worry about how much is changing so quickly that like we're losing just the the fun nature of it just being this this thing that we just know it's like that good trusty jacket that we all like to rock in the ball. It's just, like, <laughs> it's just there. You like to know that it's there. And now you are like in a couple of years, we're going to like college football sidelines and we're going to be like, I don't really recognize this sport as much as I did. And it's not like it is for older people where it was like, they might feel that way after 50 years. We're going to feel that way after two.
1: Well, yeah. And the SEC <clears throat> with the whole, you know, it just means more and everything. Mm. I feel like, that's why Texas and Oklahoma, everyone hears that and it's like honestly bring it on. Like Texas Oklahoma I feel like they fit right in with like that culture that is the SEC, you know? Like every 10 of the teams in the conference think they should be winning the national championship every year, you know? It's like that's obviously not how it works. But you're going to see some of these other conferences, you know, just because you have to take somebody, you're just going to see fits that are just weird you know it's already weird seeing west virginia playing in the big 12 like you know maybe if they move to the acc like that'll that'll kind of make more sense just to your brain geographically but like even like nebraska like nebraska had all these regional rivalries with oklahoma and colorado and now nebraska is just this irrelevant program kind of in the middle of the country almost in in no man's land Mm -hmm. you know like literally and and it's it has to have hurt Nebraska's brand, even if even if uh, the, the fans are still showing up and packing out the stadium. There's just, there's no real, like, energy around any games that Nebraska plays anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, there's, oh, they play Ohio State, like, oh, that's a big game, but Ohio State's gonna murder them, for one, and there's no, Ohio State has no animosity towards Nebraska, right? It's like, I wish we could like make some trades after all this is said and done. Like can we bring Maryland back to the ACC? You know what I mean? Like Maryland is irrelevant in the Big 10 and they just don't fit. It just and I feel like if you get in the wrong conference, you have the risk of just kind of just destroying your brand because you're with a bunch of teams and you're not in their geographical area so they don't really care about you and they don't care about the rivalry or anything. Like Missouri I think had the fortune of winning the sec east when they did like that was what their second and third year in the sec then it, it just kind of legitimized them right off the bat and whereas someone like maryland has gone to the big 10 you know, they've, had a, they've had a couple good basketball teams here and there but like they're they're just nebraska and maryland just don't fit in the big 10 and if you just see more games like this like like I always joke with like my friends, like, oh, yo, this is just your classic uh, Big Ten matchup of of Nebraska and Rutgers. You know, like yeah. you just see so many of these games, they're just like this. This doesn't fit. Like sports fans, they can accept change, but they just need some sort of tradition to know, like, like they, these 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 teams playing, they don't like each other. This this makes sense to me. Like um, Tori always jokes. We had this like running joke with us. Like, we saw Michigan-Wisconsin playing one time, and she's like, they must hate each other, right? And I was like, I mean, I guess. <laughs> like, it's it's not like a historic rivalry or anything, but I'm sure it's like Georgia-Tennessee or something. I'm not sure Michigan and Wisconsin have uh, some, some beef or whatever. But now, if there's any time I see Michigan and Wisconsin playing, I'm like, uh-oh, it's the biggest rivalry in all of college sports, Michigan-Wisconsin. So but you just need some of those rivalries that some of those regional uh matchups that make sense and i feel like that's what we're losing and it's obviously because of money and getting the tv revenue and expanding the the markets and all of that that type of stuff but we just you can't you can't make people not familiar enough to know what they're watching
0: i am excited to see uh what uh what the, the nil continues to do did you see the bryce young already over a million dollars in endorsements
1: i've heard that that's that's wild. wild he hasn't even played it he hadn't even started a game <laughs> I, I i
0: i mean this is bad news for the g league ignite i think um that will not last long with the these rules i think if that was the main reason guys were not going to syracuse and unc and stuff anymore in kansas and now college basketball which I mean, not even close to college football in terms of the level of behind the scenes uh shadiness that um now is gonna be at the forefront uh,
1: so i'm I'm excited to see the best prospects go back to college even if it is just for a year but I think well, and it's, it's also it's also one recruit just makes such a bigger difference in mm-hmm. basketball like just you get two or three guys like you got a championship roster like. A college football class if you get two if you get two or three of the top 10 players in the country that's you know that's amazing but you still need 20 more recruits in that class i don't know i think cam miller is going to be enough for tennessee next year
0: you think so that's all you need four star out of memphis duke and duke and smoke jerry mack putting in work in west tennessee sir
1: um flying on notes. jerry mack
0: yeah jerry mack's the running backs coach ut Oh, I they, thought you
1: were—I thought you were hitting me in basketball there, Jerry yeah, McNamara. Yeah. I was like, wait, oh. where is Jerry McNamara? What did I miss something? I think he okay, on the, is he not on the Syracuse staff? I, I assume he was it, still on the Syracuse staff. Yeah, but I thought you were talking about Hollis. Tennessee. You were throwing me off. Um,
0: to wrap up, put a bow on the OU Texas stuff. What is your what is your gut telling you, Matt Green? What do you think ultimately happens here? It this is your chance to be clairvoyant. Matt Green, it is Thursday, July twenty second, twenty twenty one. What do you think ultimately happens with OU Texas expansion and uh, all that?
1: Um, I mean, I think it's it sounds like it's a done deal. Honestly, like it sounds like OU and Texas are definitely joining the SEC. Like it's like then I heard there was a Big Twelve conference call with the other eight teams that they weren't on, like. That's that's pretty uh, that's pretty damning evidence right there. But I think ultimately we're gonna have to see you know it's gonna we're gonna see more conference realignment, and I think it's gonna be you know four or five, sixteen team conferences because we didn't even really touch on any of the other conferences. Like we really just talked yeah, about talked the potential about of, of the Big like, Twelve. I need less conference realignment and
0: more conference. What is the what is the inverse of realignment? Uh, Dealignment because I just made up a word on this podcast, but, like, what we talked about, we're sending Maryland back to the ACC, sending Nebraska back to the Big 12. Maybe that's the solution if you lose Texas.
1: And- also, what happens to Notre Dame? Like, Notre Dame couldn't be more... They're literally in the exact geographic center of the Big Ten. Like, mm. it's insane. But they're going to join the ACC. I think they have to pay some, like, Massive fine if they don't join the ACC. Like there's some sort of contract they have. Is if they join a conference, like it has to be the ACC, or else it's some huge fine. So like Notre Dame, if we're doing all this crazy realignment, Notre Dame has to join a damn conference. Like it's absurd that they're still doing this. Honestly, (laughs) like it really is. But like BYU, like well, the reason BYU is not a Big Twelve school right now
0: is because of Texas. It's because of the Mormon thing? Well yeah, Texas Like was Texas not... didn't
1: want see that's what I was gonna say it was gonna hold BYU. Mormon
0: like to be careful here. Like I think it's just like the values and like I think it was an LGBTQ issue too within the faith and within mm. um Texas. But yeah, the reporting on that was that Texas was opposed to to the Kooks making the jump. But BYU really does feel like a Big 12 school. Like, that's one. Like, they should call us. Well, like, oh, but then I would
1: think Pac-12 just because of where they are. No, but. I wouldn't think Pac-12 because of
0: their offense. And I just think about traditionally, like, I would I would get more of a, a Big 12 vibe. I think Boise State is more of a Pac-12 vibe. See, but, but
1: does geogra- just geography not mean anything to you, though? Like, yeah. I See, that's my number UCF one thing and USF definitely I'm trying to keep everyone together like well no I look Boise, at State, Boise State and, I look at and BYU York. need to go to the Pac-12 well no I think it's more of like
0: do I see scenarios where you can get some tradition and some some fun stuff there and I think BYU against the Texas schools and BYU like I think that would be fun and I think that would be interesting and BYU doesn't really have any strong ties and if they can keep Utah on the schedule that's great and like you said they do have more like Utah being the what is it the holy war? Um, yeah, you know, I think obviously there's uh, a reason to do that, but I, I could just see Boise just becoming like Boise has a lot more opportunity to like build a rivalry against Washington, Oregon. Like we already know about their history with the little Garrett Blunt punch. Like they're I just think of schools like where there's more upside to to putting them in the conference and like where if they have any past um stuff I, I don't know i just i think byu fits more there and i think houston is just the one that has been sitting there i don't really understand why houston never joined it's like you're gonna put baylor and tcu in but not houston i never never really got that especially how big that school is and everything but and then cincinnati we haven't even mentioned is the other one i would call
1: that was Big big yeah i was gonna say cincinnati and ucf like where does ucf go well, i think if
0: you're the big 12 you keep expanding now you go to 16 you build your own super conference no matter what you add all the AAC schools who are ready to jump ship and dissolve the AAC.
1: See, but I think the big 12, see, I think the opposite would happen. I just think, I think the big 12, once you and Texas leave and then maybe a couple other ones jump ship, like they have to keep everyone in order to keep that conference and everyone in that big 12, they just don't seem, I don't know. It just doesn't seem as cohesive without Texas and Oklahoma. So I feel like you could see, one or two other teams moving somewhere else. And then ultimately, this, the big, tw- the teams re- remaining in the Big 12 having to join like Conference USA or not Conference USA, uh, the, uh, AAC. Cause I mean, the AAC is at 11 teams. So I mean, they could become one of these super conferences for all we know. Like they could add, they could add five teams, you know, as they could add TCU and Texas Tech and, and Kansas and Kansas State or something like that. And even a Cincinnati oh wait, AAC already has Cincinnati. But yeah, you know what I'm saying? And like, and they could become like one of the power power five conferences. Like I, I feel like that would have just because the AAC would be on better standing, like they're not gonna dissolve their conference to try to join the this dying Big Twelve conference. Like I think the Big Twelve is just I think it's just inevitable that all these teams are eventually gonna leave, go somewhere else. And maybe a maybe a strong like core of them join one conference or something like that. But it doesn't I, I don't see the Big 12. And honestly, we just need to get rid of it because they haven't had 12 teams in years. And the Big Ten hasn't had 10 teams in years. It's just confusing. Let's just get rid of that. Go to the AAC. I don't know. That's how I see it. All right. Well, that
0: is all I've got, Matt Green. That's all I got, man.
1: That was a long pause. That was a real long pause. It was long, <laughs> long. I didn't know if you were waiting on me to say something. Well, I was waiting to see if you
0: had anything to. now nah, I'm uh, just not going to jump in there. Um, I'm excited no matter what. It's just more stuff. And the college football season's right around the corner. Um, We, as I expected, are going to go long on this subject matter. So I wanted to make sure that we gave the Pac-12 and our preview series. It's soon to follow the time and attention that it deserves so we will start next week our preview series uh with the pac-12 um some call it the oregon state beavers conference others call it the kyle whittingham
1: invitational um it just- nobody calls it that <laughs> but we are uh, also we're 44 days away from college football so uh get your hard hats on there you go strap up the laces matt green always a pleasure yes sir
0: all right folks that will be that'll be it for today's episode of the chase thomas podcast i uh i appreciate each and every one of y'all for for sticking around for for another one um if you could be so kind and please do read my work at sports renaissance man dot com, and please do uh Please do leave a five-star rating and a review. If you listen to this episode via, 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 I'm going to go via, Apple Podcasts, Um, follow me on the usual social media suspects, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, you can, you can find me there, Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer or on Instagram at Chase double underscore Thomas as well. Um, And give me a shout. Uh, by email at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com to participate in any future mailback opportunity so yeah just email me if you have any questions for the show for me for any of our any of my mini co-hosts and uh, if you want to be a part of the mailback. but yeah give me some sports questions or life questions whatever there it is chase thomas podcast at gmail um i want to hear from y'all i promise these little things really do matter i promise um I'll leave you with Mr. Feeney's closing words, dream, try, do good. All right. Y'all come back now. Uncle Derek, how do I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.